Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, Eden. Hi, Ione. And hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ione, and I'm the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester and the author of Four Little Sick Girls. And I'm Eden, the managing editor of Polyester and the co-host of this podcast. This is the Sleepover Club, a feminist pop culture podcast where we pull apart the hashtag discourse in the hope of making some sense of it all. Before we get started, please like, rate, review and subscribe. Do we have any reviews? We do, we do. Thank you so much. Um, so this review is by, and I feel like this is a nickname, I don't know, R-S-A-W-Y-E by Apple Podcasts in Great Britain. Thanks, kiss, five stars. Love you all. God bless. You're the best. First podcast I've listened to in years. No regrets. You guys make me gasp and giggle on the train. Thanks. Have a good day. Aww. so cute. You I have love a good it. day as well. Yeah. Have Very a good cute. day. All of you lovely listeners. We love you. <laughs> We really do. Yeah, we're obsessed. So today we're talking about a phenomenon, phenomenon, which is basically something that I've saw on Twitter, like just before Christmas. And then I feel like it's just always around a bit. And But it's definitely a conversation that's gaining traction at the moment, which is about sad girls in particular, sad girl writers, and whether or not they're dehumanizing men and shooting themselves in the foot by portraying men in a very monolithic way monolithic yeah is that the right way to say definitely it? yeah yeah so i was thinking of this when i was <laughs> lying in bed not able to sleep the other night putting all the pieces together because yeah it's definitely been like a rise of this type of writing this type of discourse like that tiktok in sent me a tiktok the other day where oh it might sorry it was gina actually no and then you were like oh have you seen it eden where it was like that woman crying eyes out because she was like oh, oh, i Jesus just found fuck. out my boyfriend did something 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 i don't even know what it was and then someone jutted it like yeah fair enough but why are you putting this on the internet <laughs> yeah she, her boyfriend had like a, a a google drive or something with loads of porn saved in it and then this woman was basically saying he was cheating on her mm-hmm. um and but just the only video she posted she wasn't speaking in the video she was just crying but like it was like a guttural animalistic cry where she's yeah. like, <laughs> like and some guy was like, yeah, jump scare there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like your feelings are valid, but we don't need to know everything about each other. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, that's what, that's what's inspired us. That is what. Sorry to that woman. That. Her feelings are valid, but yeah, we don't need to share everything. Or do we? Who knows? Well, I did say personal essays were in, so mm-hmm. so we're starting. <laughs> with... 
we're starting with this um s like essay thing sorry i've got a migraine today if anyone can tell that is called my boyfriend a writer broke up with me because i'm a writer by isabel kaplan for the guardian so in this essay she's basically talking about how her boyfriend who was also a writer didn't like the fact that she was also one and that she was starting to get sort of recognition or whatever and then he broke up with her and she decided to write about him anyway anything to add Eden is that a good summary (laughs) yeah that no that's that's spot on the thing that's really funny is like he concluded that he'd never feel safe with me due to the fear that I might someday write about him and then she just went ahead and wrote about him anyway (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of funny like fuck you then (laughs) yeah I know I mean I feel like so this then kind of inspired an onslaught of other opinion pieces that we're going to go through. One of them was Enough of the Sad Put Upon Woman essay by Rachel Connolly for Slate. One of them was Brave and Necessary or Just Plain Regressive, How Sad Girls with Bad Boyfriends Took Over the Internet by Eloise Hendy for The Independent. One was Framing Men as the Villains Gets Women No Closer to Better Romantic Relationships by Moya Lothian-McLean for The Guardian. And then as an aside, there was also this kind of takedown of Annie Lord's book, Notes on Heartbreak, in a substack which i can't find right now yeah substack christmas yeah which was called annie's land and it was comparing annie lord to what was the other writer annie erno yeah yeah so basically people are writing about bad relationships and i think this goes beyond like writing and i think that's where the conversation gets interesting for me because i feel like I'm not so interested in conversations about like form or whether writing is good or bad or does its craft well or badly. I'm more interested in about the way it's making us talk about these things and think about the relationships that we're having. And I think that spans like across social media as well. Yeah. So the crux of all of those essays, we'll get into them like a bit more specifically, is that calling out your boyfriend, A, probably overblows what was just a bad relationship Mm. and b demonizes men to the point in which is reductive gender essentialist and will not make us happy in our relationships yeah but I feel like what is being missed or not missed but like is this like a tipping point is what I feel is like not a tipping point of people being sick of the writing but as in this is kind of a new phenomenon no of like the last five years of people being of people talking this way about their relationships in public online Mm -hmm. being like deeply confessional yeah i mean it's very tumblr generation era but now we can write it for the guardian instead of on our tumblers yeah i think a really interesting point that was in the substack is that the person that wrote that salome wagain uh said that when a woman writes, the assumption now is made that it is about her personally, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting because what if you want to write something that that you just want to write it for the sake of writing it, but everyone just automatically assumes if you're writing about a heartbreak or if you're writing about this or that, that you've been through it yourself. And like she says, like how much of yourself do you have to pour out for people to give a shit about your writing? Like how much of me can you see like where I, in the street is where I slowly pull off the veneer of my public persona like you have to kind of give up a chunk of yourself for people to really care about what you're saying. And I don't think that that should be the case. I used to feel like there's so much like 10, not even 10 years ago in 2016, 
Mm. when vice and like all of those websites were like peak this and like Mm. exo jane and all of those other websites where it was literally like i had my thumb bitten off by a dog and this is what it taught me about commitment (laughs) (laughs) ai generators (laughs) and like um I understand that there's this kind of morbid curiosity in that kind of personal essay culture that we grew up around. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it makes sense that it's coming back now, especially did we talk about this last week on the podcast when I was talking about like girls having a resurgence on TikTok and stuff like that. Yeah. And people generally being more confessional. But I also do feel like in some ways or with some people, and this isn't like writing or social media or whatever, there's always going to be people that overshare loads there's always going to be people that don't overshare. Mm. But I feel like we have moved away from like the churn culture of personal essays where we're getting like 20 a week and they're all like someone's deepest, darkest trauma laid bare on the page. Like I understand women and marginalized people's like irk that they feel like they have to make something confessional for it to be considered valid or considered important or considered whatever. I do think there are still like remnants of that culture that remains. But I feel like some something like dating and relationships is so difficult to like prize apart from the confessional that maybe that's why it still feels like it's in the past a bit. Yeah, because it, it is it is about your personal experience. Yeah, like you can't really make it about anything else. I mean, you can't obviously if you're writing fiction, but we're talking about essays here. Yeah. So what choice do we have then to make it personal? Um... I don't know. I feel like it's an editor's responsibility when it's actually in a publication. And also, Mm -hmm. I feel like something that irks me a bit about this is that this is all like that. I wonder what the actual reach of these types of things are. Because remember when we were talking about Catwoman before we started recording the essay that went viral? It was New York Times, wasn't it? Like a few years ago. And it's one of those things where the internet literally talks about it for like a week nonstop and Mm -hmm. then everyone forgets about it. And for example, if I said it to my boyfriend who I live with, like, oh, have you read Cat Person? He'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I have no idea what that is. And like, no one out of the internet actually knows what that means. So I'm like, is this actually as big of a problem as we think it is? Or is it just like a symptom of like the Twitter cycle where everyone wants to get obsessed with something over a week for a week and then forget about it? It's definitely a victim of the Twitter cycle. There was a really good quote uh, in one of the research about like the the people that this resonates with are like the people that are just like chronically online. Mm. It's basically like internet poisoned, which is us. But yeah, like you said, it just doesn't, even though this is deeply private and deeply personal, it probably doesn't really exist outside of certain spaces. So what does it matter? Like the people that are reading it and that it's resonating with, are also like in that world yeah it was in the substack christmas annusland where it said this where it was like saying part of me wants to be one of the girls to be able to master that seductive pithy register i've tried i went on my twitter circle and wrote patron saint of neurotic women who love to have a fling me when aniano won the noble i did the very thing that i found frustrating flattening erno's body of work into something that exists to comment on my ultimately very banal and unexceptional dating life because it's intoxicating to be able to write in that tone and participate in that online culture I think my grind with this is, is that I don't think it's a bad thing. (laughs) Like, I think anyone can take anything too far. Like, and we'll go into this of, yeah, like people 
this kind of self-congratulatory culture around women that share bad dating experiences and demonize in quoted brackets the like men in their relationships but mm-hmm. it's nice to be one of the girls like and the girls are also not a monolith like I feel like we feel like internet culture is a monolith because like if you're on Twitter you have like a Twitter way of speaking to people mm-hmm. if you're on Instagram there's a way you write your captions if you're on TikTok there's this there's this there's that but like it's just an extension of how we talk to our friends no so like the girls are not a monolith and women don't all like the same cultural things it's <laughs> my point here this is true and I do think that it is cathartic and it's it's nice to read something and, and feel like you relate to it but also I do think that it's it's all of the same thing like it's kind of lazy at the end of the day everyone's saying the same thing like you just got dumped it's not that deep but I also think there surely is a reason for like the there's a basically I think the reason why women write this way they do about heartbreak and about relationships and about the way we are is because we the one of the problems is we're still taught that like romance is the central thing that we should all strive for in our lives mm-hmm. like above friendship above like girl bossery above any other way you can be happy or healthy or mm. whatever we're taught that like romanticism should be like the central plot line of our lives yeah. so therefore when we do get broken up with or we get really hurt or whatever it does feel like this like life altering shattering thing so then if someone writes about it you can probably find relatability in them because everyone's experienced it so it's kind of this contradiction where it happens to everyone so it shouldn't be that much of a big deal but because it's like we still put so much onus on romance in like modern life it feels like the worst thing that's ever happened to you and that's why this writing is so like potent for a lot of people as well yeah because it it taps into people's like rawest emotions yeah I just well I just wish we could start realizing that like that isn't the case at all like romance is like the least important thing I know that's the thing it'd be like I would be more interested in like a whole conversation that tries to move away from romance as like a central subject than picking holes in the way we talk about romance I feel like it's really hard to undo that and like there's ways in which it's progressed in a worse way like yeah creating men as this like overarching subject rather than individuals that treat people in varying varying ways of good and bad Mm -hmm. but I'd rather us just move away from it completely you know (laughs) let's talk about something else yeah let's talk about um, fun things but I I guess it's it's easy because it's easy to write about romance because everyone can relate to it everyone wants it or thinks that they want it and it's it's really easy to like touch people emotionally Mm-hmm. But yeah, stop fucking. Let's stop writing about how we got dumped and it was really sad. Do we not have more to offer? Like, that's why I like, really like the Rachel Connolly piece because she's like, women have more to offer than like heartbreak or being upset over a man. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel's piece, kind of like one of the pieces you've pulled out, Eden, is to repair yourself, the most essential step is to tell your story, speak your truth, to disclose all the ways that the world and the men in it have harmed you. This is a political act. This is a feminist act. Mm. This is at least what the most popular personal essays of the last few years have taught us. Which is completely just demoralises the whole concept of feminism. <laughs> Do you not think? Like, because it, essentially it's spoiling. If that, if that is a feminist act what was the whole fucking political movement about? Like, 
if it's just oh, about... Oh, sorry, that was actually Eloise Handy, not Rachel Connolly. Oh, sorry. sorry. Anyway, it's fine. Um, yeah, like, just because a woman says something doesn't mean that it's a feminist act. I also just think that we kind of, like... I don't know. I don't know where I'm coming at with this, but, like, we aggrandize these pieces of work because they exist on the internet so therefore they like kind of exist as these cultural moments but really do they actually affect anything else that we do like I would say there's certain points that have changed how we talk about men Mm. and I wouldn't particularly say it's like cat person or this Alana Kaplan essay or even like girls or any hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. TV show I would say it's Florence Gibbon and a couple of other influences that mm. like literally teach us to disregard men in a way that is totally unnuanced and is ruthless like not in this victimizing way but also like an almost an anti-victim way of put yourself first blah blah blah, 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 blah yeah blah, blah. but but like is that really feminist no 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 of course not like I don't think either of these things are necessarily feminist but I think it it becomes like a like it becomes almost a moot point right like mm. if we can yeah. accept that like Florence Given is the antithesis of feminism <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble for that then can't we accept that these essays are irrelevant to feminism too yeah but what what I do understand is like the kind of boringness of like the submissiveness that comes through in this in these essays, which is what Rachel Connolly talks about, mm. where it says submissiveness is assumed to be the true core of what it means to be a woman. I suspect that these stories are popular because they present themselves as progressive and challenging while reaffirming the comfortable stereotype. There is a fashion currently for easy narratives that call themselves bold. So I suppose this is kind of saying that, yeah, by saying that you're submissive and like that you shrink yourselves or whatever you're like saying some grand unspoken truth about womanhood but I suppose where the problem is is that like we have no through these essays through the way we speak about this we have no path of resisting that that isn't the 
dump him, be ruthless, cut off and walk away. Like that's also not being the opposite of submissive, which I can't think of because I have a headache. That's also not being assertive. That's just being like a dick as well. Yeah. In what world can we actually talk about the ways in which we can, it's it's one thing to point out something like, oh, women can be submissive, which isn't Mm -hmm. even true. Like it's not even true that at our core, we are like a submissive type of person. Like Mm -hmm. it's such bullshit. And I think it is bullshit that these essays kind of affirm that. But I'd also like to see more resistance to the submissive stereotype. Yeah, well, if you if you label like every single man as an oppressor or and every single woman as a as like a victim of romantic relationships, then that's just reinforcing what the patriarchy wants us to reinforce. Like, yeah, we need to we need to rehabilitate men and be like, this is how you could be better. This is how this is what went wrong. Instead of just like ending a relationship and then writing a fucking essay about it. I mean, I do see a like I don't know I do, I do see a tyranny and also trying to like teach men to be better and like a tyranny of the fact that we're we're speaking about this and that it's like a woman's in like I know this sounds like very gendered but like it's the person who has done wrong problem because like men aren't talking about how they are portrayed in breakup essays unless it's through some literal like incel let's go ruin this bitch's life and kill her way yeah so I feel like we're in this kind of like war of extremes where it's like men are getting more radicalized and women can keep trying to be like we'll rehabilitate them we'll try and make them into decent people and not all men are bad like not at all but we're living in this extreme of online culture where like one narrative isn't really serving or even feeding into the other yeah it's just it's just people both talking to a wall yeah like, um, if I see one more infographic being like, men have feelings too, it's like, I fucking know they do. You'd literally have to be 15 years old and sat in your bedroom all day to think that men don't have feelings. We all interact with cis men on a daily basis. We know they're capable of being fully complex human beings that are mm-hmm. lovely and that we care about and that we adore. But by putting that online, which we're going to talk about next week anyway, it's like, okay, I get it. Like, you're trying to have a controversial opinion. Fuck off. Mm. Yeah, the infographics... Well, it's just it's just just shouting into the void, isn't it? It's saying what what we already know. But I think an interesting point about all this is that these people are making money off it as well. So, like the 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 vulnerability can then become like monetized vulnerability. I mean, I've always said this. Like we did this episode ages ago. Like, is vulnerability a trap? I hundred mm-hmm. percent think it is. Yeah, <laughs> like, vulnerability is a trap. Like you get squared away into this box like whichever vulnerability you decide to exploit and then you become about that vulnerability and this can refer to like heartbreak or literally any human emotion or human marginalization Mm. but I also think that people are allowed to write whatever they want and we're allowed to think that it's bad or reductive or we're allowed to relate to it Mm -hmm. I just don't think we have enough like conversations about how we move away from it or beyond it it feels like we're trapped in a cycle I just I just cannot stand the framing of like someone's personal experiences with a man being labeled as a feminist action because it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah it's brave. Yeah, like like it's it's important to speak out about these things and it's important to speak about, out about your emotions. But I think that it's being contextualized as something deeper than what it actually is. But also I feel like this is just the like influencer trauma porn matrix that we found Mm. ourselves in where it's like 
everything has to be I talk about this in my book in in like our attitudes towards materialism like anything that we buy or anything that we sell has to serve a greater purpose than buying or selling something like political purpose basically otherwise it's invalid so like Mm. we can't just be unhinged on the internet and like cry I mean people do that all the time but but it might be like my boyfriend's a shit Mm. we have to be like and that's bad for women yeah for people (laughs) this affects everyone on a whole yeah like people don't think like people they're in one sense like people think their pain is so important that they can you know make it into these works of art but also Mm -hmm. I feel like we're still our generation in particular is like we don't feel like they're important our pain's important enough to just stand up as pain in and of itself. It like has to serve, has yeah, to mean something. It has yeah. to mean something. It has to feed into something where it's just like not the case because ultimately I love like writing, not necessarily about heartbreak because I actually don't read much writing about breakups or relationships, but I love like stuff that digs into emotions and like really lays it there. But like for the sake of it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no one's fucking reading um, My Year of Rest and Relaxation and be like, this is a note on X, Y, and Z. Great book. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I just think, like, everyone is, everyone's, I feel like I say this every single episode, everyone's just, like, so self-important. And the internet teaches us that we are the most important person and that everyone wants to hear our story. It's just, like, main character syndrome gone Exactly, road. Yeah. Gone but absolutely bloody wild. is that is that all the content that we have to offer like when we're giving up our whole private life prince harry <laughs> well this is another thing because we and like we have obviously taken a very like femme stance on it because that's like what the source material implied but when i was reading it what was the quote Oh, it was the quote that I already read about, like, to repay yourself, the first and most essential step is to tell your story, Mm. which is something that has been this narrative with the Prince Harry stuff for the past, like, two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Where people are saying he's, like, trapped in the cult of psychotherapy by telling his story. And, um, like, he's saying it's important, truth is important above all else and all of these things. Like, I actually don't think this is as gendered as it, it seems, because, yeah. like, give a man a microphone and he'll talk for weeks. <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's enough There's enough podcasts out there that we know this to be true. Exactly. Like, I feel like men enrich their lives by doing this. these also silly little stories and telling us everything. But we just, like, unless it's Prince Harry, we, we're not paying attention. Yeah. But I also think Prince Harry's a really interesting version of, like, under a microscope of the phenomenon we're talking about where we like start engaging with something in good faith or whatever. And like, you feel sorry for him because of the Diana stuff. And then he Mm -hmm. goes on and on and he's like talking about his frostbitten dick and like suddenly it's too much for you and you want to look away, but you can't look away because you still want the gossip and you're like repulsed, but intrigued. And like, I feel like that's kind of the same emotional matrix that we have with these breakup essays Mm. and heartbreak essays and like bad relationship essays and like even just the the fucking tiktok of the girl crying her eyes out like you feel physically uncomfortable watching it Mm. but you're watching it because it's like an experience we don't we aren't necessarily privy to outside of our own lives yeah it's pretty it's pretty raw and i guess the only you would only really share stuff like that with your friends usually 
Yeah, exactly. And like people you know, so to see it, and not even that sometimes, I, I, I don't know. I know people like have various uh, levels of being comfortable, but mm-hmm. there's a ver- very few people I would call guttural crying and screaming like that TikTok girl. Yeah, I, I don't think I would do that to anyone. <laughs> like, never mind, put it on fucking TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But like, why why do people think that that's an okay thing to do? I also don't want the answer to this to people to stop doing it. Because like... I... <laughs> don't stop. We're nosy. We want to know. Uh, I feel like we just need to... Ch- <laughs> I want to see all of your trauma all the time. But it's like, I don't want a sanitised internet where like, every, or art or culture or anything where everything's run through this like lens of acceptability. I mean, there's a really interesting line in the Rachel... Connolly piece where it's like saying female objection is a hot commodity and I I actually disagree with that line a lot in particular because like I don't really think self-victimizing or becoming like this sorry small person is a form of objection because like objection as I see it is this kind of yeah it's more the like guttural woman literally screaming her lungs out on TikTok it's like being the most repulsive version of yourself that you can be I wrote Mm. about this in my book quite a lot but like that's not what we're seeing we're seeing it all packaged in the Twitter internet way but if we saw more people being generally unhinged I feel like we could move on from this conversation a lot quicker yeah and I do feel like we are really fixated on on this unhinged behavior in our in our little internet online sphere yeah I think it's because we've, like, as I said, like, I wouldn't call anyone crying in that way. So it's something that we obviously feel deeply ashamed about in some ways. So therefore, we have this, like, strange obsession with people that don't have that filter on their own lives. Yeah, yeah. You can't look away, like, but you don't want to either. But my thoughts on it is, stop talking about how you were rolled into a Rizzler to fit your boyfriend's vision of what you should be and instead just start saying that you're a full unhinged mad woman and I can get on board um my kind of take from this is that I think people are often victims of dramatizing their own lives and thinking that uh six month situationship is abuse when it ends also actual abuse is abuse and like we're not uh before anyone says we're obviously not downplaying or minimizing not at all but this this is my issue with it that people people go through horrific horrendous shit on a day-to-day basis and that's something that if that that's a feminist issue and that needs to be tackled and i think that a heartbreak isn't necessarily a feminist issue all the time all the time and people do shitty things to each other in relationships it i don't think that it's necessarily a man versus woman thing no and we can still talk about that within the context of feminism like how people treat each other mm-hmm. but just not a reductive victim and perpetrator narrative i suppose yeah but my final takeaway is let's move beyond romance i want to hear about all your other pain yeah <laughs> Friendship. Give me your workplace trauma. Give me a friendship trauma. Give me a familial trauma. Exactly. Yeah. Like someone, someone was DMing me the other day, like literally being like, Ariaster's made four films about how much he hates his mum. 
Let a woman make four films about how much she hates her Please, please. Where's Gillian Flynn when you need her? Hello. Write a new book about horrible mums. I mean, we had Jeanette McCurdy, didn't we? Yeah, that's true. That's which, true. Which really popped off and really resonated with people. So it just shows that people people are maybe craving something different. Well, this is also what I mean. Like, I don't think it's simplistic enough to label, like, personal writing bad. Um, other parts of writing more valid because, like, it's just not as simplistic as that. No. Of course I have skin in the game as a person with a book of personal <laughs> 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 I I don't have skin in the game. I don't have a, I don't have a, a a dog in the fight. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just so sick of people thinking that their romantic relationships are like the most important thing that's happened in the world. Mm-hmm. I get you. I also, if 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 it is the the root of a lot of your issues, just stop fucking going on dates. Stop fucking seeing people. <laughs> I do I do celibate summer. Uh, for six months, I've never been more happy in my life. Can I just say, like, <laughs> then deleted, why aren't you now? Deleted every single dating app. Just didn't even didn't even look at anyone, and I I was never happier. So oh, yeah. there we go. Maybe I'll write a fucking personal essay about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Eden. Thank you, Ione. Thank you to all of you listeners. We'd love to hear your thoughts as normal in all the normal places, Instagram, reviews, etc. Thank you to Olivia for editing. Um, and thank you to Gina and Gina, Charlotte, Grace, Misha and Hattie. We will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.